humans are all built differently. We all have strengths and weaknesses. And if you can literally double down on the basics and attack your personal weaknesses, not what other people tell you or what you read in this article. It's like, what are you struggling with? What is a formidable plan that you can take action on that isn't over your head, that isn't gonna stress you out to the point where you just like give it all up, but small micro goals that build momentum. And if you get that momentum going, you cannot be stopped. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Inspired, the podcast where we dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and innovators who are changing the game in their respective industries. Before we dive into it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and follow us on Spotify so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes and content coming your way. Today, I am here with probably the highest energy individual yet to reveal themselves on the podcast. This human being is someone that I appreciate and admire their contribution to society in all different types of ways, starting with his military background and to the impact he's making on the internet. To welcome to the podcast, Mr. Joe Illuminati of Illuminati Iron. How are you today, sir? I'm great, brother. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Dude, I gotta just start off by saying when I'm talking about passion and energy, you bring it. And I just want to ask you right off the bat, where does it come from? So I had created content really for, you know, some years now, even before Illuminati Iron. And one of the things that I had learned from making that content was that I was never trying to be like someone else or be something I wasn't. But I would say that I would hold back, so to speak, you know, three, five, seven percent of what maybe I really wanted to say or to express myself in the manner um, that just felt right. And I said, as soon as I started Illuminati Iron, I was going to go all in. I said, no matter how I'm feeling, whether it's a good day, whether it's a bad day, whether I just crushed a workout or the workout crushed me, I'm going to let it out. I'm going to speak my mind. And if people like it, then perfect. And if they hate it, well, perfect as well. So you're not going to please everybody. So especially when I'm training or I get really passionate about something, and maybe during this conversation, you'll see, you know, my energy rise up and I start, you know, going starry-eyed, so to speak, at the camera. It's all real. I just get super pumped up. I'm super passionate about what I do. I love seeing other people do well. And all in all, man, 100% all in. Um, and it's just fun. It's a good ride. Something else that I can appreciate about your background is that we have something moderately in common. I served two years in the Israeli military, infantry combat, and you have a background in the Navy. How long did you serve and could you give us a bit of background on your military experience? Sure. So my military experience started at the United States Naval Academy. I went to college there four years. And as soon as you graduate, uh, you commission as an officer. There's different routes you can take whether that's special forces, uh, submarines, aviation, uh, you can go Marine Corps. And I went surface warfare. So I served on ships upon graduation, uh, served on a missile cruiser and an amphib, did two overseas deployments, uh, served just over five years um, and decided to make the change upon fulfilling my commitment uh, with an honorable discharge and overall man. A great experience. I mean, not only at the Naval Academy, but 
the years of service uh, with Marines and sailors. It was extremely rewarding. I learned a lot about myself, built some perspective, um, you know, had a lot of fun and at the same time didn't enjoy it. But I think that was important to once again, gain that perspective and see uh, for at least myself, what's really important in life. And of course, serving others and helping others and being there, um, whether you're feeling it, whether you're having a great day or a bad day, I think is extremely important. And so all in all to where I am today, I think my military experience, of course, and the education I got, but more importantly, the great people that I had the privilege serving with. What made you want to serve? So my father graduated from the Naval Academy as well. Uh, he was in the class of 1985. And so growing up, uh, there was a few different places I wanted to go to school. I wanted to keep my options open. I applied to maybe four to six schools. And the Naval Academy obviously was one of them. But growing up, man, going to the campus in Annapolis, I don't know if you've ever been to Annapolis, Maryland, but it's absolutely gorgeous. And every time I went for one of his reunions or one of the tailgaters before a football game, seeing his classmates, seeing with people he served with, his interactions and those relationships, going on campus and seeing the midshipmen wearing those summer white uniforms or the digis or the camo, I just got pumped up, man. I loved it. I loved repping the gear, the Under Armour and Nike swag that the, the campus store sold. And every visit was a blessing, man. So it was a long shot. I gave it my all. I worked really, really hard in high school. I somehow managed to trick them to let me in. And it was a really interesting experience to say the least. But seeing my dad and his grandfather, all, grandf or my grandfather, his father, um, who had served in the Cuban military, um, there's a little bit of legacy there in regards to service and uh, commitment to the country. And so I was all in on it, man, and never looked back. Did you always have this proclivity for health and wellness? Is that something that over time revealed itself? Were you always an athlete? Obviously, you're at this unbelievable level of fitness now, and there's so much we're going to cover with that. But where did it all stem from? Dude, so being completely transparent, and I've gone on some rants for sure on my page about this, but you're looking right now at one of the laziest individuals in high school. Sure, I worked hard at school, you know, got good grades when I needed to, but athletically or physically, dude, insanely lazy. I loved sports, grew up playing baseball, football, absolutely loved lacrosse, hockey was an absolute staple, and my other brothers as well. We were all into sports, but when it came to the outside work, the outside practice, the weight room, I think I can count on one hand how many times I actually went to the gym. And I joke about this and we all laugh and it's all smiles here, but I was addicted to Sour Patch Kids watermelon and Call of Duty. So sure, it kept me out of trouble on a Friday or Saturday night, but I wasted so much time with that. And it's one of the things now looking back, it keeps me accountable because I never want to feel like I do now about how much time I wasted. Now, obviously everything happens for a reason or you know, sometimes that is the regret that keeps us on track, so I'm grateful for it. But I trained maybe a handful of times and then when I got accepted into the Naval Academy, it all got real. And some people may not know this about my story, but from high school, I didn't go directly 
into the Naval Academy. I got accepted into the next year's class, but they put me in the, um, the foundation is called the Naval Academy um, Foundation Program. And basically with students or people they want at the Naval Academy, but can't accept that year, they send you to a private school or a boarding school where it's, hey, stay out of trouble, get good grades, take the classes like physics and chemistry, you know, the classes that you're going to be taking, seeing at Annapolis there, go do well. And if you stay out of trouble, boom, you have a guaranteed spot in next year's class. So when I graduated from high school and went and did my victory lap at this private school in Western Massachusetts, um, it was a totally different world. I went to public school. So seeing the private school side was a, a really interesting adjustment. And I met a lot of great people there and saw um, a different side of things, which was cool. But from day one at that school, because now it was real, like literally in a year from now, I'm going to Annapolis. It made sense. And so day one, started getting to the gym. I think people made fun of me and it was all in good fun, but they called me Jacked Joe because I became almost hyper obsessive with the gym and just trying, you know, to once again, fit the mold, going into the military, you know, call of duty here, got to be ready for anything. So push-ups pull-ups. I uh, had some buddies there at the school who had been lifting. They were actually from New Jersey, really strong kids, really good dudes. And they brought me under their wing and showed me how to properly brace for a deadlift or how to do full range of motion pull-ups. And so I threw on there, not only with you know, nutrition and eating a lot, but I was training regularly and I saw great results in that year and showed up to the Naval Academy extremely prepared. And that year, especially during the wintertime at that private school, it was so miserable with the snow and the cold. And what I noticed is that fitness and moving my body chemically within me brought me a lot of relief or a lot of joy. Even if it was an hour or two a day, I really looked forward to that. And so it was positive reinforcement that no matter how great the weather is or how bad the weather is or if I was disappointed or got dumped by a girlfriend, whatever it was, we go gym. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. We get in there and we make it happen. And so I would go to the gym throughout that time and then at the Naval Academy, double down obviously with the culture and the military and at that academic institution, there's a lot of gentlemen, a lot of women that are grinding, that are getting after it, that have um, some promising you know, futures and paths and some, um, some dangerous routes, so to speak, if you're going you know, EOD or going, you know, making a shot at the SEAL teams, whatever it may be. So people were grinding and I fed off that for sure. And I never stopped. I started to get known, so to speak, for my arms junior or senior year as I was throwing on some size and some mass. And I just, once again, felt good. I was confident. And so I never saw an avenue to where I should stop or you, know, you can always learn and better yourself and, and you make mistakes and you grow from them. But all in all, man, fitness has been a staple of my life. I've seen what it's done for me through the, the highs of my life and the lows. And then more importantly, with other people, not only that I, who I surround myself with, or maybe for people that I work with, I've seen people do so much better and change their lives. And one of the staples was just simply taking care of themselves, whether that's weights, whether that's running, Pilates, yoga, hiking, just stretching every day, whatever it is. Everyone has their niche and their interests. And so whatever you can stay consistently with, I think that yields the best benefits because it's the long game, in my opinion, not the short game and the short intensity where you're really feeling it and excited and motivated. 
that's going to dip. That's going to change. Play the long game and really be honest with yourself. There's a lot of polish on your entire ethos that you bring to the table. Mm. And you went in a couple different directions that, or you addressed a few different things and I want to go in a couple different directions with it. So I'm going to try to flow the sequence of thought into one string of question, I guess. Sure. Personally speaking, I have a very similar background where my college acceptance was deferred for a year. And I used that after having spent some time in Poland in high school and then Israel, which after seeing the concentration camps made me want to serve. And ironically, you know, we'll save the story of how I got into college for another time off, offline, but I had a similar story where I had to take a year off and then eventually go to college. One year turned to two years. And then I decided to enroll before going on to do everything since. You mentioned offline that you were deployed. Twice? Twice. Can you walk the audience through those experiences in whatever capacity you're comfortable with? Sure. So... I graduated and had a month off to enjoy myself. It was called leave or vacation. And I was responsible for reporting to my ship basically almost exactly 30 days post-graduation. And so I moved out to San Diego, uh, California, where my duty station was, where my ship was. And that January coming up was my first deployment. So relatively speaking, it was pretty soon upon commissioning. Didn't know anything, absolute rookie. Um, so I had a lot to learn and at least the um, timing or the scheduling of the deployment was perfect for me just to be able to get out to San Diego, get settled, get established, enjoy it. And uh, it's a great city, but it was also important to get to work and to see what you know the real Navy is all about. Because you can read all the books, you can watch podcasts, but until you're in the military, once again, there's different capacities or different areas there, but you don't know really how you're going to perform or how you're going to feel or the learning gaps or so to speak, the time it takes to get your head wrapped around things. Even as simple on the ship is how to get to point A to point B um, and how to do your job well and getting thrown into positions as a professional now where you know sailors and Marines are depending on you. It's a lot of pressure, but it's also extremely rewarding and I wouldn't trade it for the world. So in January, I deployed. At this time, I was single. And it was a Southeast Asia deployment. So I'm trying to remember and not mix up the stops here, but we took off from San Diego. We blew right by Hawaii. Guam was the first stop, the first port call. And then we dabbled in South Korea. We went to Singapore, the Philippines, Japan, and maybe another destination or so. And the traveling aspect of the military is really cool, at least on the ship, that you get to pull in to different countries, experience different cultures. I personally love traveling. So you know, one of the phrases they give us is, oh, join the Navy, see the world. So actually being able to stop and see these places uh, and experience, experience them with some of your best friends 
that was really, really fun and very rewarding. Um, we were primarily off the coast of North Korea, spent a lot of time in South China Sea. There wasn't too much that happened on that deployment. For the most part, it was a good experience, um, but it was seven months or so. And it was crazy because you leave and then when you come back home, it's as if almost nothing happened or nothing really changed. Like life, of course, as it should, continues to go on. And that was super interesting on the ship, at least, because I had great people with me and a buddy of mine who was also into fitness. When we were done doing our jobs, part of our daily routine was, you know, keeping our body and our mind sharp and that incorporated fitness. So I got in really, really good shape on that first deployment, which was great. There's no excuses. I mean, how you don't even have access really to your cell phone or like internet. So there's no swiping left and right on Tinder. There's no Instagram, you know, reels or TikTok. Like it's just you doing your job. And then if you want to read or if you want to just sleep or work out or train or work on your profession a little bit more, your qualifications, you can do that. So overall, the first deployment was a good experience. I came home and that was one of the best feelings ever was seeing my parents there on the pier as we pulled in. Getting, I mean, I get butterflies right now thinking about it. It was one of the best days of my life. And you get off and we go out and celebrate in, in Pacific Beach here and right in San Diego. And you get back into the swing of things with life in the United States. And, you know, of course, here in sunny San Diego. Well, the next deployment, I was not feeling. I didn't want to go. I did not want to do it. Never publicly expressed that, you know, outside of closed doors. But in my opinion, at least within the ship life, I kind of thought like once you do one deployment, you've got it. Like check mark. But like I said, had a job to do, had a responsibility to fulfill and a commitment. And so I kept my mouth shut and I marched to that ship that day. And on this deployment, um, I had a significant other and it was extremely difficult leaving that person for that amount of time. Um, but once again, hardened me and at least gave me um, a great experience and uh, a mental toughness, so to speak, to take it one day at a time. And to know that this too shall pass, right? This deployment, you know, each day, no matter how fast or how slow it's going, it's going to end. So embrace it, make the most out of each day, enjoy the port calls. And on this deployment specifically, spent half the time in the Middle East and half the time in Southeast Asia. And I got to experience the deployment as well, getting extended. So we were done in the Middle East, exited the Strait of Hormuz, Morale is high. Everyone's celebrating. We're in the gym. We're pumping iron. We're making our way back to San Diego. And halfway through the Indian Ocean, the captain comes on and he makes an announcement. And I won't get into the details too much about what was going down, but essentially, a specific tweet was released on the internet. People scrambled, send them back. Wait, what? Shouldn't we debrief this? Talk? Nope send them back. And so the ship, literally, you could feel it. Boom. After going straight for days and days and days, heading back towards home, the ship, boom, turns port side there. And we head back into the Middle East. And that was a huge gut-wrenching feeling 
of morale, not only with myself, but everyone just dropping. Everyone's tired. Everyone wants to get home, be with their families. I had amazing support system and my significant other at the time was unbelievable. She was great. So I luckily enough didn't have that stress of family or, you know, a marriage or a relationship tanking or going through some really tough lows. I was super fortunate for that, but I understand and I get it if you're deployed, whether it's in the desert or whether you're on a ship or a submarine, I totally get and understand the pressure and stress that it brings because it's difficult. It's tough. And of course you want to be with your loved one, whether it's a child or your you know, partner or whoever it is, it's difficult. And getting exposed to those difficult things in the Navy for me was um, important. And I think now to this day, it's helped me so, so much. And that's life, right? There will continue to be difficult things, but I think it's almost like a muscle that is, you get exposed to more and more things and you learn the ways where you handled it well, but also didn't handle it well. It's our job or our responsibility, you know, to do that introspection there and see how we can do it better the next time or to become better prepared. Or if someone's coming to you or me and need some help, hey, I can't imagine what you're going through, or I can. This is what happened to me, or from my knowledge or limited experience, I'm obviously not in your shoes. This is what I've seen to help, you know, not only myself, but other people take it or leave it. But if you need anything, I'm here for you. And to be able to come in from that point of view, at least, I've seen it also add value and meaning to relationships I have with people because we all go through things. We all go through difficult uh, times and measures. And um, I think that's important. I think it's beautiful, not always pleasant, but completely necessary. What I love about the way you tell your stories is that you weave in the lessons that you extract from the experience without me needing to prompt it. And that is a skill in and of itself. And that's part of the polish that I was talking about before. I don't know if it's a military thing. And obviously there's elements of, or a Navy thing. There's elements of Jocko and Goggins and Leif Babin and everything that you're talking about. I want to know some of the lessons that you were addressing and how you leverage them. I was speaking to the interns today where I work full-time as an attorney, and I was asked to come in as a guest speaker. And I started off by reminding them more or informing them that experience isn't what happens to you, it's what you do with it. Mm -hmm. And in this instance, you've outlined how you were forced, whether you liked it or not, even if you had the right mindset and you were in the right headspace and had the proper support system to go through an experience that you weren't prepared for emotionally but you put yourself in a position to remain level-headed regardless. And mm -hmm. ironically, this is on the heels of a conversation that I had with Phil Johnson, where I just released the episode talking about emotional intelligence. And what you are saying speaks to that premise of having a very high emotional level of intelligence that's really coming through in this conversation where, you know, I want to get into the content that you put out now because, you know, candidly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't align 
with the experiences that you've had, which are very serious and rugged and callous. And you, you said it, it, it hardened you. How do you take all of that experience and parlay it into the content that you put out now where you're making people laugh and you're putting out this high energy? How do they complement one another? How did you bring them together? And what was the thought process behind it? It's a great question, man. So essentially what the deployments or my time in the military gave me was like, somewhat mentioned it earlier, but it was a really valuable perspective that life goes by really quickly. And obviously we have our commitments and our obligations, which you know, I tried to fulfill um, as best as I could and do the best I could under the circumstances. But there was definitely a part of me when I was in the military that, of course, you know, wanted to go do X, Y, and Z. And simply because of that responsibility or commitment, I wasn't able to. So, for example, traveling, you know, you could go take leave and travel somewhere, but you need to get permission, you know, from the government or from the Navy, right? Um, and you have a limited number of days or weeks, maybe you want to go do X, Y, or Z up in Los Angeles or go drive to Vegas, but no, I can't, I have duty or, you know, my ship is going to be out for a whole month off the coast of, you know, San Diego here. So I was on board with it, but at the same time, I knew that as soon as I had the opportunity to go down a different route, for example, getting out of the military, my idea or ability or maybe like fearlessness to just go live my life the way I want to without any, not, I'm not gonna say supervision, but basically no one telling me no, I decided and made the commitment that I was going to do that. And so in getting out of the military, especially like going and doing van life, like getting in the van, having no plan, having no designated route and just driving and going with it. Like, I think a lot of people would love to do that, or at least they say they want to do it. And so I always talked about wanting to do van life. So my whole thing is like, talk about it, be about it. If you're going to go tell your buddies or your mom, whether you have the blessings or not, you're going to tell them you're going to do X, Y, or Z. To me, at least my word and integrity is everything. And so at least for me, if I talk about something, I really want to go and do it to, to follow through. And so I ended up getting a van right before getting out of the military. And that was something literally in my transitional leave period. Boom. Went out and had an amazing adventure and got those, that travel bug you know, out temporarily, right? Um, when it came down to the home gym and going all in with my fitness and uh, working on my mental toughness and doing hard things and learning more about recovery, and studying, and learning. I had the opportunity and the time to do so as I didn't jump right into something in my transition out of the military. And I think that's something super important to anyone who's in the military right now listening. And once again, this is just a different path. My biggest recommendation that anyone can do is to give yourself at least three or six months to go do whatever you want. If you wanna go out to Bali, go. If you want to do van life, if you want to go pitch a tent uh, and hike a trail for two or three months, if you want to sit by the pool and just read some books 
and catch up on sleep and put more into your relationships or go skateboarding, whatever it is, my biggest thing is go do it. And I think the thing is in the military and what became more real more than anything, not only in that profession, but also as we just get older and become more mature and hear stories or know people that get affected by X, Y, and Z, is that even on this conversation right now, let's keep it real. Anything can happen to us at any given time. Sadly enough, super healthy, in shape, jacked people, right? That have been doing things the right way, taking no shortcuts, not putting crap in their body. Tomorrow, just don't wake up. Or all of a sudden, after a really healthy lifestyle or unhealthy lifestyle, whichever it may be, someone gets diagnosed with an awful disease that comes out of nowhere and they're told they have X number of weeks or months or years to live. We can't control that. And I have problems or issues at this time kind of coming to accept that and really just be at peace with it. I'm, I'm improving. I'm making strides. But at the end of the day, like we're all going to die. And as I've gotten older, I've realized like whether people like what I'm doing or not, you're always going to have people, you know, that are against it, that are scared or you know scared for you. I totally understand and get that. Um, and you're also going to get people that love what you're doing. And you can also see other people doing things. And you're like, that's awesome. You know, I want to go do that maybe one day. Or I wonder how they pulled that off. Maybe I can take some notes here if I get, you know, a few minutes of their time. Maybe I can ask them how they got from point A to point B or anything that they wish they could have told themselves when they were earlier. I think there's two kinds of people in, the, in this life, right? There's ones that can, you know, have to learn the hard way. They have to learn from their mistakes. Um, which I think we all do in some ways, but there's obviously different degrees there. And then I think there are people that see how other people failed or succeeded and without having to directly experience that, maybe because on a level of trust or because of respect, they go, hey, this person made this mistake. I'm going to believe them and trust them on it. And I'm not going to get involved with that substance or I'm not going to go and risk that level of danger. There's a fine line there and it's different for everybody because everyone has different goals and interests and experiences. But I think somewhere in the middle there where you can be self-aware and learn from your own screw-ups and weaknesses and things that you could have done better and also balancing that with getting insight and getting recommendations or tips or just hearing and listening, like actually listening to someone's story and um, how they got there or where they wish they could have done differently. I think if somewhere, the truth is somewhere in the middle there that we can kind of craft what we want, but there is a level, in my opinion, of fear that we have to sometimes overcome. And maybe that's with like starting a new business, starting a podcast, you know, living your truth or going after whatever it is that you want. There is a level where you have to step in because no one's going to do it for you. And I often, oftentimes go off on rants about it, like no one cares. No one cares. Nobody's coming. No one's going to save you. Of course, we have support systems. Of course, we have people that do care about us and want to see us do well. But at the same time, we start with that action. So I want to go to Bali. I want to go backpack Europe or Asia. Let's go. Get the backpack. We'll figure it out. Oh, I messed up here at the airport. Ah, oh, damn it. I should have packed my passport here. Ah, I should have learned please and thank you and hello in that language before arriving. Damn it, I forgot that Cambodia uses the US dollar. I could have just come, like, 
we can learn as we go. And I think it's important to once again, reflect on that, not only for ourselves, but to other people and like-minded people and niches that we find ourselves in, share what we've done well and share where we've fallen short. Pardon the interruption for this episode. We have a quick word from our sponsors and then we're right back to the show. The Inspired Speaker Formula is officially releasing on August 15th, a formula to break free from speaking anxiety and perform comfortably in any setting. The course will be available on Udemy, and if you listen to this episode, let me know, and I'll share an early access code so you can review the course ahead of time. All right, let's get back to the show. The mindset that you have in your... You know, you don't just come at things with an open mind. You could see that you come at them with an open heart. And I think that's extremely important because that authentic guided decision-making, I believe, will lead anyone who maintains that mindset and heart set in a direction that can make a positive impact on the people that they surround themselves with and the people that are interested in their journey. And so on that note, when you started creating content, you had a vision. We were talking a bit offline about how you wanted to go about it, the persona. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things, I just want to start here. It's kind of jumping a bit. But when you first started to, and I was telling you offline also, I've known about what you do for a few years. And I remember when you were matching the amount of calisthenics reps that you would perform to the amount of followers that you had newly acquired. And the numbers were getting pretty high at one point. They were in the hundreds. Now, I'm just going to preface this statement with a bit of a flex myself just because... I think it's important to level set the playing field so you know who you're talking to because I know who I'm talking to. Love it. So a few years ago, and you know, my audience already knows this, but please be patient. I started off my journey by leveraging my general physical preparedness to do things that I believe philanthropically deserve to make an impact. And so I'll just sum them up as quickly as I can. In 2020, I started with 1,018 push-ups in an hour, raised enough money to feed 20,000 people through Feeding America. And then the next year, I ran 50 miles and four. I did the Goggins Challenge plus two, raised over $15,000 towards curing Alzheimer's through research. Awesome. And then thank you means a lot coming from you. And then uh, this past year, I did 1,018 pull-ups in four hours to raise over $20,000 for an organization called the Friendship Circle that serves children who have special needs. So all that being said, before we get into all the things that happened after you had acquired your audience, what was the spark that led you to want to perform that amount of reps? Because it wasn't just... It was dips, it was pull-ups, you were doing multiple Murphs, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Where was, what, what was the content plan? Where was your head at? Can you kind of walk us through that whole process? Dude, so with me at least, I can only speak for myself, but it really comes down to confidence. And you acquire the confidence by doing the reps. And hard or difficult, it's, it's relative. 
everyone has a different definition or sense of what's difficult or challenging. For example, maybe for me, running 20, 25, 30 miles is hard. But for someone who's an ultra marathon, that's like a warm up run, right? And what you start to see over time is when you do hard things or slowly but surely progressively overload or do one more or two more or 10 more, whatever it may be, you start to realize that our bodies are absolutely incredible. And even more so, the mind is crazy. And I'm no expert on this. I'm not a true pro when it comes to the mental side of all this, but I'm learning. I'm trying to get a little bit better each and every day. But I saw, dude, like when you get on that torture bike, like the, the air fan bike, uh, the, the echo bike it's called, or you get on the floor and you do push-ups, or you get on the bar and do pull-ups, like the basics, because that's one thing that has been a staple in my training since day one is the basics work. And especially in today's age, people, for whatever reason, I don't get it, they overcomplicate it. They try to make it harder than it really is or, oh, but if I take this BCAA this many minutes before my training or get this shoe, which has a 13% bounce back, you know, instead of focusing on push-ups and pull-ups, nutrition, hydration, sleep, stress or cortisol control, right? The things that over time are going to lead to the biggest uh, effects or, you know, progress towards your goals. These are the things that matter. And so I remember doing my first few push up and pull up and dip marathons where I would ride that air bike and I was tired and it was hard. But I'm like, what if instead of 100 push ups in this marathon, what happens if I went and I did 200? <laughs> 200. No way. Can I do it? And then boom, you actually go and do it. So now it gives you a little bit of, you know, swagginess, right? You're feeling good about it. You're feeling confident. And you see other people in your community or niche that start trying it as well. Or maybe they send you a challenge and push you a little bit harder or say, hey, you need to go a little bit lower on that push up. Or, hey, I have done this before. I found that this is a really good area to be if you can get into sets of this. So once again, you're developing, you're learning, you're winning, and you're failing. And so instead of letting that crush your ego when things don't work out or you don't perform as well as you do, if you go back to the drawing board and say, hey, how can I come into this a little bit better prepared? Or how can I make sure that instead of going for 200 push-ups, I can do 250. What can I do to just give myself an advantage for that extra 50? And if you just stick with that, not for weeks, not for months, years. Imagine doing it for years. Well, brother, I can tell you, and I'm not trying to flex here, but sets of five pull-ups or sets of 10 push-ups, for me, it's easy now. Was it always? Absolutely not really, really hard. I think being able to do one clean, really, you know, all the way down, all the way up pull up is extremely impressive. Sure. I've done hundreds or thousands, but still I remember having to get that first pull up and how hard or difficult it is. Or right now, if I want to humble myself, I'll go on a bar and try to do, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple sets of 10, 15 or 20. And you get humbled really quickly. So knowing that 
We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. That's part of being human, not only in the physical side, but the mental side or the emotional side. But if you can attack weakness head on and literally go to the gym, I mean, I, everyone listening right now, listen up. Go sit down with a bag of popcorn or hell, go treat yourself to a bag of Sour Patch Kids watermelon. Put out a lawn chair and go sit at the gym. Actually watch people train or work out. I'm sorry to report this back. I take no pleasure in saying it. At the end of the day, there is a handful of people that are actually making progress and actually getting better. I'm not talking about like necessarily from day to day, but that looking back in some months or years from now, hey, someone's made some progress and got closer to their goal or are stronger or faster or more mobile, whatever it may be. Unfortunately, the phone and distractions and social hour or just a lack of drive or discipline, whatever it may be. Unfortunately, in gyms, there's only a handful of people that you can tell that are really focused and are really getting after it, but also getting after it or those goals vary from person to person. So I'm not trying to put people down here. All I'm trying to illustrate and show is that if you go into the gym with 20 minutes or 40 minutes, it doesn't have to be a two hour or three hour workout. If you like to be in the gym for that long, perfect. But if you actually look and you watch people that tell you that they're in the gym for an hour or an hour and a half, you actually look at the workout and how much time was in between sets or reps or whatever it may be. You see someone's hour and a half workout. Well, if they had put their phone down and stopped swiping lessons on Tinder, they could have got that done in like 25, 30 minutes. They would have gotten more ROI, return on investment, right? Better value if they're focusing on full range of motion and quality reps. That there in itself is half the battle. And you leave the gym actually, you know, accomplished or feeling that you made some progress. I think it's all relative and also being exposed to what that level of difficulty or challenge. Sometimes people who are stronger than us or faster than us or, you know, more fit than us, getting exposed to those people, which I've been pretty lucky and fortunate to be able to train with people who were way stronger and continue to be way stronger than me. It allows you to realize and and understand that humans are all built differently. And like I said, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And if you can literally double down on the basics and attack your personal weaknesses, not what other people tell you or what you read in this article, it's like, what are you struggling with? What is a formidable plan that you can take action on that isn't over your head, that isn't gonna stress you out to the point where you just like give it all up, but small micro goals that build momentum. And if you get that momentum going, which I did with some of these crazy workouts and these crazy number of reps that I pulled off, dude, you cannot be stopped. The momentum is so strong. And sometimes it takes, unfortunately, an injury. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it just happens as you know, active adults or active people or athletes. Things happen. But even if you get hurt or suffer a setback or you're going through a divorce or your business fails, dude, it's okay. Stick with what's worked for you. Things will turn around. It may not be pleasant now, but if you continue to show up and you do the basics and stick true to what has been helping you for so long, even in the best times of your life, this will pass and you will come out to be a machine, dude. An absolute machine.
you were talking about that passion before. I think we got to take the that <laughs> Man, I got to say, I love the energy, really. It, it's so cool. Like, there's, again, man, you mentioned all these different things, and I want to go in all these different directions. So I have an idea where I want to take it. Let's start off with discipline. We already touched on mindset quite a lot, and I think it's going to continue to emanate and resonate throughout this episode. But when it comes to discipline, what does discipline mean to you and how has it played a role in your life? Man, discipline was instilled in me, of course, at an earlier age by my father, of course, who was military. So for me, that was putting clothes in the laundry hamper or hanging up my t-shirts in the closet in an organized fashion or by colors. And it translated in the military, of course, with just the nature of the business and how you go from day to day, whether that's your uniform or grooming standards, you know, where your hands are when, when you're walking and not having them in your pockets, or you, know, you can go down a, a million different rabbit holes. But of course, the military requires discipline. Obviously, people within the military have varying levels of discipline. But I would tell you that Discipline is just, I mean, people have heard this a million times from a plethora of people, but I'm not going to say it's everything, but it's so critically important, especially in today's age where there's all these quick fixes or easy way outs. Um, I think discipline and the way I see it is simply doing things that you know you need to do when you're absolutely not feeling it. And it's so easy to do these things when you're feeling well and you're excited or maybe you've seen some really great progress in a short period of time, the last couple of weeks or months. It's so easy to stay with that. But when uh, you suffer an injury or your business goes under or you're going through a tough time in a relationship, that's when the real test of discipline in my mind starts. And it's definitely not easy. And I think if you let certain things pass or certain things go or off the hook and, oh, I didn't do this today, but I'll pick it up tomorrow. What I noticed and have seen that if you start making excuses or trying to justify it, it is typically out of laziness. That starts to compound in the opposite direction. And you just went from, for example, studying Spanish or Portuguese every single day for 15 to 20 minutes to in the last two or three weeks, you haven't even sniffed the app or sniffed the books that you were so committed to. In my opinion, and maybe it's healthy in certain ways and not healthy in others, but there is a level of all in or a perspective of where you know where you want to be and what are the things I can do daily to get myself there. And for me, at least, speaking with the health and fitness world and performance, for example, I drink a gallon of water every single day and I stretch after my workouts and before going to bed. Without fail, it has to happen. Now, believe me, is that always fun? Is it something that I find uh, to be on the top of my priority list? No, but I have refused to let laziness or time management get me away from doing those two simple tasks or goals. 
once again, dude, I get it. It's hard. It's it's so easy that it sometimes becomes hard and sometimes we procrastinate. And all of a sudden you have half a gallon of water you need to drink and it's already seven o'clock. But what I've seen is that if you can really string these days or weeks together and you get into a routine and you build that momentum and you get the positive reinforcement that this stuff actually works, then in my mind, if you're trying to get from point A to point B, this is now a non-negotiable. And this doesn't have to necessarily be with like health and fitness. I want people listening to hopefully like take this into a, a bigger view of maybe it's with your significant other. Making a point that at least once a week, you two go out and date and go out to a restaurant or go take a 20-minute walk with the kiddo or without a kiddo, but you make it a priority and you make it a part of your routine that even if you're, if you're not feeling it, if you're tired, or you maybe got in an argument the day before and it's not really the, the perfect circumstances, that you can lay that down and say, hey, this is for the greater good of us staying together, or this is the greater good of me feeling better or getting to where I want to be. I think doing that enough time, it's like practice. It's like flexing that muscle like I mentioned earlier. You need to experience when you're doing it and you're doing it well, the benefits of it. And then also, if you do let some days pass or to not throw it all away and kind of like tell yourself and have this negative self-talk like, oh, I can't do it or like I failed, like I knew I couldn't do it. No, dude, you missed out on the water for two days. Okay, roger that. Things happen. Life gets in the way. Boom, today or first thing tomorrow morning, we're getting back on it. And you don't let weeks, months, or years go by. And I think fitness in itself is a great measure of discipline in the fact that when you see someone, a male or you know, a woman who's fit, that there's an underlying level of respect, so to speak, that you know that the person wasn't just given that level of fitness, whether it's aesthetics or performance, like reps and sets and hours and a level of discipline was there and what was put into that final product. Oftentimes we see the final product and, you know, don't always recognize or respect or understand that like there's hundreds to thousands of hours that went into this person's craft, whether it's in health and fitness or design or engineering or whatever it may be. There's so much that goes behind it and the underlying root is doing things and striving for success, even if you know it may not be successful or even on the days that you're not feeling your best. I truly believe that the life I want is on the other side of doing the hard things I don't want to do and I do it every day. So I've done my best to turn the moments that I don't want to get out of bed as triggers to get out of bed. I don't want to do something that I know will benefit me now it turns into a trigger. And I don't even know where it really comes from at this point. Mm-hmm. It's really just this simple formula of, I don't want to do this, time to go do it. Obviously there's a line where it becomes, you know, ineffective and that's sure. you know, the rational mind kind of comes in. but. Take the sentiment for what it means. Of course. There's this notion that certain things happen to certain people because they're the ones that can handle them. Someone's diagnosed with a learning disability at a young age. They then parlay that whole experience into teaching people 
how to deal with emotional intelligence, for example. Mm -hmm. That's the most recent guest that I had on the podcast. And now I'm going to bring this parallel to you where, and I read about this concept in a book called The Choice, uh, authored by Dr. Edith Iger, who's a Holocaust survivor and world-renowned psychologist. So the parallel here is that you suffered a very terrible injury. Mm -hmm. I've seen the video multiple times. I remember when it happened. Can you briefly walk the audience through what happened and your mindset in recovering from this catastrophic injury and just let us have it, man. Sure. So to anyone listening, high probability, you've probably seen the injury that shocked the world. It went viral on social media. Unfortunately, I was the gentleman in the shot. So uh, it was not easy to share. It was not a fun experience, but I basically tore both distal bicep tendons at the same time. I believe that content or that clip got over 50 or 60 million views, got shared well over a million times. I mean, it went beyond viral. It was crazy. And it was the first injury I ever had in my entire life. So there's definitely in athletics or health and fitness, there's a difference between getting hurt and getting injured, right? So everyone typically working out or playing soccer or getting after it on um, the field will get hurt, will get banged up. But an injury, for example, like, you know, tearing something, breaking something, requiring surgery, taking a substantial amount of time off from whatever activity it is that brings them joy or pays the bills, whatever it may be, right? Things happen. Um, not only, of course, um, in the fitness and health scene, but of course, in everyday life with cars and stepping off the sidewalk or a ladder falling, whatever it may be, right? So things happen. In my experience, dude, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was due, and I don't think I've ever actually explained on a podcast or on my page on like what led up to this, but Basically, I got to my house to train and I was going to a music festival or a concert, so to speak, uh, in Palm Springs there called Splash House. I love electronic music. I love the vibe and the energy. And I was getting ready to go enjoy the long weekend up there. And so I was going to go and do a Murph. So before going and, you know, enjoying the weekend, I'm going to tackle this Murph. A company had sent me a pre-workout and some hydration packets, some of their products. And I was going to do a Murph to basically, once again, show my commitment and show the effectiveness and how I really you know, believed in the product and was using it myself. And when I opened the box, like I said, I've never shared this. I opened the box and unfortunately, due to the handling of you know, the process of the shipping, the supplements came completely exploded. Pre-workout everywhere. Hard, I mean, containers destroyed. And so I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm going to let this company know. Um, I'm not going to do the Murph today. I'll save it for next week. 
when they send, I assume, the next batch here to replace what just got sent. And damn, I'm gonna go do an arm day, right? We're going to Splash House, right? Get that pump on, feel good going in. Nothing can stop me. And I wanted to create some content. Of course, I have a home gym uh, in my garage. Absolutely love it. Um, love helping people um, reach higher levels of fitness in there. And of course, test myself and, and get creative and have fun, not only with content, but with training. And I had a squat rack at the time that you could manipulate and basically transform to get different exercises out of it. And I always loved preacher curls. Always loved them. To this day, I miss them tremendously, but I unfortunately lost the privilege. And when you're set up the right way on a preacher curl, you can get away with it and make great gains. And I had done it dozens and dozens of times. However, in this actual setup with my rack, I had never made a makeshift preacher curl bench. And so I was filming for the audience or for the content I was creating. I wasn't just going to throw weight on the bar here. Um, I was going to warm up and I was going to start with just the bar and progressively overload and build up into that working weight. And on the last rep, on the last set, both distal bicep tendons snapped and shot up essentially into my shoulder. And you can see in the video, I go right into shock and stare at both arms, just like completely amazed and in complete, you know, controlled chaos, so to speak, on what actually just happened. I couldn't bend my arms. There was a ton of adrenaline rushing through me. And like, I made a mistake. I screwed up. And uh, the camera was, of course, rolling. So it's all there. And went to the hospital. Um, they threw me right there in the MRI or x-ray machine, gathered all the data right later that weekend. They told me, like, you snapped both distal bicep tendons. The surgeon and the doctors, great team I worked with, they had never seen two at the same time. It was so level. The rep was so even. The tendons had been built up so evenly, so to speak, that at least one of the doctors told me is that the rep was so even and balanced that both hit their breaking point and boom, ripped off the bone and shot up. And so this is, I am hating life and I get this news and the doctors ask me, do you want biceps again? Cricket, cricket. I mean, I thought that was an obvious question. Wouldn't anyone? And the doctor says, well, there's actually a lot of people that, you know, do not do the surgery. They're like, I'm good. Well, what ends up happening to them? Oh, well, they no longer have biceps. So what ends up happening is that if you don't reattach the distal bicep tendon, it will start to atrophy and actually curl up. And essentially, there's a point, and I'm not a doctor here, but there is a point, I think it differs from person to person, but where it is essentially unsavageable and like you miss your window of opportunity to get the surgery. And so I guess some power lifters or people like who deadlift, like they want to get right back into it. Hell, I don't need biceps. And they go the rest of their life and oftentimes with people who have torn, you know, one of their bicep tendons and they didn't elect to get the surgery, you'll actually see like their arm is a little bit disfigured or doesn't look the same as the other. And so, hey, I'm a health and fitness professional. I love to train myself. I love to get after it. I think it's a good decision 
to have biceps again. So I didn't want to get the surgery, but I asked them, like, is there any way to like get it to attach itself on its? They're like, no, you need surgery if you want to basically have any shot of getting back to your profession or at least to the level of fitness you were at. So send it. We're going under the knife. We go through surgery. I've never had a surgery before, so I'm petrified. And I had some great people in my corner, um, some shipmates and some people at the Naval Academy who um, are great friends still to this day who had gone through shoulder surgeries and had torn their ACL or had broken and snapped their ankle. I had great guidance going into it to at least ease the nerves and kind of have a calm before the storm. But dude, at least within the content realm and what was to come when that injury came, I had a decision. I had talked about on my page showing the highs and lows, being transparent, um, being unapologetically myself and showing the highs and lows to the people following me. So it's so easy to do that when everything's going your way, right? You got a good pump on, you're feeling good. A company sent you um, these clothes. You're getting some gym supplements for free. Um, you got this awesome pair of sunglasses that um, just look great and you're, you're running well and you're mile tight. Like it's so easy to show all of that. But now, Joe, right? And now, Illuminati Iron, you are now at one of the lowest points of your life, at least within the physical realm, and your mental health is, you know, going down real quick because you've lost the ability, at least temporarily, to do the things you love and that bring you joy. Are you going to post the video? Or are you going to just hide and pretend it never happened and just write on your story, Hey fam, need a break from social media, can discuss later, much love. And just never ever tell people for three, six, nine, 12 months what happened. I had a decision to make and I had talked about it so much about being authentic and transparent that no matter the hate that was to come, I was gonna post the video. And I posted it and I got a ton of love and so many amazing connections and people and, and success that have come from being open and transparent. But boy, you want to see some hate? You want to see some people kicking you while you're down and saying some of the most awful things? They don't know you. They don't care to know you. All they want to do is get a temporary escape from their miserable lives or from something that's going on. And they don't care who's in their path. They are coming for you. Even if you post your beautiful golden retriever wearing like a hat and it's cute and everyone loves it, you're always going to find that one dude who is somehow bashing the video and trashing it and saying how awful of a person you are for putting that cute little costume on your dog. It's just the nature of social media. I get it. I understand it. But at least this was the first, I guess, experience of mega viral content that I have ever experienced to where it opened the floodgates. And it was difficult. Recovery was, I mean, dude, insane. I needed help. I mean, dude, you just think about right now, all the things with like your arms that you do on a daily basis. Like I lost that. I needed help showering myself. I almost, thank God it didn't happen, but I needed almost help going to the bathroom and needed an assistance for that. Getting changed in the morning. I couldn't even open a door because my tendons, they were jacked up. And then post-surgery, you don't want to re-rupture them and you're following the doctor's order. So the injury gave me a glimpse 
on the recovery side. And you always hear about these professional athletes or X, Y, and Z person who, you know, had this injury and made the comeback and overcame obstacles and adversity. And you love reading about it and you love watching the documentary. But what happens when it's you? Now it's your time to make the decision. This is an actual decision. Do I want to accept and live on this crutch for the rest of my life that this happened to me and this is why I'm not where I should be or where I want to be? And now I just live basically with that excuse. Or, hey, I've seen someone that suffered something worse than this. If that person can overcome it, why can't I? I don't care what their profession is. Me, myself, I don't care how much money they make. I literally don't care. I've realized and come to the understanding that it's all mental. And it's that putting those support systems or putting those daily habits to just say, once again, this goes back to the deployment thing. This will end. The braces I have or the cast on my arm or damn it, I blew out my ACL, for example, a friend of mine. Like I told them, this too will pass. Take it day by day. Listen to the professionals. Listen to the doctors. Do your PT. Do your physical therapy. Monitor what's going into your body with nutrition. Stay hydrated. How's your sleep? How's your stress management? Are you sticking with your meditation or yoga? These are all things that will get you back. And what you realize is that, dude, physical therapy, I mean, I would tell you right now, physical therapy was so boring. I did not enjoy it. I would like to say that I have above average discipline. One of the hardest things I had to do was working with those bands, with raising my arms and twisting my wrists, showing up every single day, listening and saying, I don't want to do this. Hey, Illuminati Iron, you want to make a comeback? You want to get back to doing the things you love? Shut up and do it. And believe me, dude, if there was a hidden camera in that garage when I would throw these tantrums and take my hat and smack it on the ground in frustration because I didn't want to do my PT, dude, I wish I had that footage. Because on most days, I didn't want to, but I said, Joe, your future self will thank you. And if you want to look in this camera right now and tell people that they need to be doing their PT and they can't skip it, you're not going to be able to with a straight face if you lied and made up this great recovery story about how you were doing X, Y, and Z. But in reality, you weren't doing that. You were like a lot of these influencers on social media who talk about it, but aren't actually about it. So if you want to look in the camera and be honest and be real and have people feel the vibe where I can look at you right now in this camera and tell you, I didn't skip any corners. Well, you're going to have to do the work. Do the work. And that's what our team with the people that follow us, with people like you, we do the work in whatever niche or craft we're in, and I feed off of people. So I needed people during that time, and I had those people, luckily, who said, Joe, keep going. Hey, you're going to come back better. Dude, you're doing all the right things. Do not stop. And I didn't. And now I have the success or the recovery, and I'm still a work in progress. There's still things I can improve on, but I feel good, and I'm getting slowly better, and I'm seeing other people who are watching my journey overcome their obstacles, and they saw or gained a tidbit of knowledge or some you know, motivation or inspiration in some way or some confidence that, hey, this guy did this to him. I saw it with my own eyes. And now he's doing this. Hey, I twisted my ankle. Hey, I blew out both my ACLs. Damn it, I tore my labrum. Hey, this isn't fun. 
but we're going to trust the process. It happened to us. Okay. What are we going to do to turn this around and become another success story? Simple. What are we going to do? And are you about it? Luckily enough, the people on our team, Illuminati Iron, all the followers, everyone's about it. From what it appears, people are overcoming, doing some amazing things with insane setbacks, things way bigger than me and things that happen to me. Like it puts my stuff to shame. But at the end of the day, we all have different journeys, different paths, different perceptions of what difficulty and hard is. And you don't know how you're going to be until you get thrown in the situation yourself. I could have told you how I was going to be and how would it be a stressor um, if I'd ever gotten hurt. But it wouldn't be real until you actually get hurt and experience it. But I don't want anyone to get hurt. I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. I just hope that they can hear this, understand it, and trust it, and then see with their own eyes that, hey, let me stay on the path and do what I'm doing. And if I ever, unfortunately, come across this or this comes my way, hey, roger that. I'll be good. I'll take it on. Man, hearing it from you in this capacity is like I was saying when I asked the question initially, certain things happen to people because they can handle it, but they can also share the lessons that come from it so others can learn. And you are uniquely prepared. I just want to point this out. Did you run a marathon while you had torn both biceps? I did in January. There is a level that exists when it comes to this that you just shattered, man. Like, it's just... That is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. To have that type of mental acuity and focus and dedication to a mission. Now, man, I could talk to you for hours and I imagine we'll continue to speak to one another way, way long after this. But for the for the sake of the audience, you know, a couple more questions. We're going to play a little game because I could turn uh, this entire game into a series of questions. But what's going to happen is I'm going to say a word and I'd like you to share the first thing that comes to mind. And okay. then we're going to get into the wrap up of the podcast. So. Let's start off with the word mission. To me, first thing that comes to mind is long game. Discipline. Difficult. Biceps. Demons. Opportunity. Privilege. Gratitude. Life. There's a question that I ask everyone on this podcast, and I'm going to stay true to that tradition with you, sir. If the future version of yourself was to fly in from 10 years from now, and he's at that ideal spot that you are aiming to achieve, what do you think he would say to you in order to get there? I think they would say to continue on what you're doing follow your gut and what makes most sense. You're going to fail. You're going to succeed. You have to keep that level of humility and understand and recognize and truly, you know, believe with all your heart that you don't know everything and that it's going to take a team. 
And you're going to come across people along the way on this journey who are so good to you and also people who are so bad to you. And you need to surround yourself and continue to surround yourself with like-minded people, those that are self-aware, that are on their path, that are on their journeys. And at the end of the day, you know, happiness, for example, I think it's obviously something that we're all chasing or it's something that um, we all admire or fantasize about. But at the same time, too, I think there's a part of life that is struggle and there will be continue to be difficult things. Um, obviously, ways that come out of nowhere and may be unfathomable. But once again, if you truly love what you're doing and it makes sense to you and it feels right and you see it helping at least one other person or that you could impact someone in a positive way, that maybe that person in 5, 10, or 15 years as well can look back and say, yeah, because of this person or because of this interaction or because how they treated me or talked to me, this is why or this is how I'm doing what I'm doing. I think that's incredibly powerful. And um, I'm super lucky. I'm super fortunate uh, to be where I am and have great people and opportunities like this to come speak with you. And I never take it for granted. And I know that anything can happen to any of us at any time. So I'm trying to enjoy the journey. And um, once again, that person in 10 years looking back, I, I want to make them proud. Uh, I want to make myself proud and the people that are uh, in my inner circle and who have my back and have been um, the most amazing, amazing supporters, you know, ever. Joe, I want to thank you for making the time today. Please let the audience know where they can find you. So with this time, uh, Illuminati Iron, you can find me on Instagram at Illuminati Iron. In addition, if you're into humor, and comedy, or maybe a little bit of inspiration. I've also started another account, which you can find on TikTok and Instagram, at DILF Training, D-I-L-F. That's Dad Into Lifting and Fitness. Hopefully it gives you a few chuckles and some inspiration to get out there and get after it. Whether you're a father, uh, whether you want to be a father, it does not matter. Everyone is welcome and just sharing positive vibes and enjoying life, making the most out of it. Thank you so much for the time today, man. This was a blast. I learned a lot. You tell great stories, and I know the audience did too. Keep at it, man. I'm rooting for you, bro. And you know at some point this collaboration of a training session is going down, and I guess we'll see who could do more pull-up. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not putting you through that. I'm not even putting myself through that again. Forget it. But I can't wait. Dude, <laughs> dude, literally, I can't wait. We will connect. I'm super excited for that. And at least, I mean, of course, with us teaming up and getting after it with a pump, I want everyone to break down and realize that right now, every rep going forward matters. So when you get on that pull-up bar, the person listening right now wants to get on the action and you know, death by pull-ups, it literally starts with your next gym session going all the way down, all the way up, and challenging yourself. And if you put in the work, if you do in the practice, hey, people may put their money on you. And you know, with your work ethic and what you're bringing to the table, hey, that's a high level of performance. So I'm ready for it. Let's go. <laughs> so the next one, man. Hoorah.